0: Head on over to morgandwilliams.com newsletter and putting your best email to get first in line for valuable resources that I share on how you can fill your calendar with sales meetings and your pipeline with opportunities. Now let's start today's show.
1: What if you knew exactly how to use cold email, LinkedIn, the phone, and other sales channels to get new meetings and customers for your B2B product or service? Morgan Williams is an enterprise sales rep that's obsessed with cold outreach. If you're sick and tired of fluff, theory, and general advice on how to sell to cold prospects from people who haven't sold anything in the past 20 years, and instead want detailed, tactical, step-by-step instruction, this is the podcast for you. Each week, he'll interview salespeople, consultants, and entrepreneurs about actual outbound sales campaigns they've run with real numbers and results. Each conversation will be a deep dive into deconstructing a specific campaign's results, as well as the strategy behind it. You'll get the opportunity to peek behind the curtain and see what's actually working now in cold outreach. Welcome Welcome to to Outbound Outbound Metrics. Metrics.
0: Patrick William Joyce is the founder of Modern Virtual. Modern Virtual helps founders build outbound sales teams through training, coaching, recruiting, factional management, and operations. Patrick, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Are you ready to dive in?
2: Yeah, yeah, thanks very much, Morgan.
0: Awesome. I really want to set the stage here and talk about your background, especially over the last five years or so. I've known about your work for the past roughly 18 months, two years on LinkedIn, WhatsApp groups, Discord channels, Dark Social. I believe you've been pushing, promoting, elevating the new era of outbound sales, or what's really working now, essentially, is what I should say, in outbound sales. So I'd love for the audience to get their ears on that. I recently had a guest on that raved about your methods a few episodes back, so I knew I had to bring you on. Wanna to touch on your background really quickly over the past five years. You were a math teacher, which I think is really cool, and. I see it could be very helpful for outbound sales, for sure. Marketing analyst in SCR and biz dev roles, and then ascending up to higher level roles with Justin Michael Consulting, Predictable Revenue, and title all recognizable names to most with solid outbound uh, sales industry knowledge, to now being the founder of Modern Virtual doing consulting and coaching. The big thing I want to understand from you is, You know, what was working when you started out in 2017-ish, and how has it changed now in 2022? You know, it's really
2: interesting because my perspective changed a lot over those five years, and I think the way that I'm going to answer the question is not necessarily the way that you asked it, but it was more about, like, what wasn't working five years Mm -hmm. ago. When I got to the first SDR team that I was on, we had an email campaign, like a regular sales loft or outreach sequence with a bunch of cold calls and emails in it didn't really do Mm -hmm. a whole lot. It was just kind of falling flat. And the way that I was able to kind of rise above and become one of the top reps and eventually like the team lead was by sort of taking things into my own hands and figuring out like who was going to buy the software that I was trying to get meetings Mm -hmm. for and Mm -hmm. why. And like I started there and then I worked backwards Mm -hmm. from that. I talked about this with Ryan Reisert in his book, uh, Outbound Sales No Fluff, the audiobook mm-hmm. version. There's a, an interview at the end of that uh, where I talked about the list building strategy that I used. I immediately like took a step back from the leads that were in Salesforce and the sequence that we were using and sort of created my own based on the conversations that I was having with account executives there. So like that for me has been the basis of how I've approached the top of the sales funnel from then on. Like I know that you kind of wanted to hear like what's different now compared to back then, and to me it's all kind of the same stuff. Mm-hmm. That approach is what I've been able to ground my any of the successes that I've had in. On top of like sort of being different with the types of messaging that I was writing, like just being like a you know one or two degrees off from what everybody else seems to be doing, so that you can kind of stand out. I remember I saw a really interesting article about how the average executive at a software company has like 200 emails per day that Mm -hmm. they're getting. That's where that trying to look a little bit different thing.
0: Got it. So what I gather from that is the principles of what you're using have not changed, right? And the principles of what works has not changed. You're doing maybe 10 to 20 degrees different to differentiate yourself from the pack, but doing reverse engineering, working backward, from, like you're saying, who's gonna buy your software and why is what's working for you. So, I want to get a grasp on like that first sequence you were working with for that company that wasn't working. What results were happening or were you getting there? And then, when you started doing things differently, what results were you seeing in a roundabout way?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I'm gonna take one step back. And now that I've, I've sort of made my point about the first principles thing, I'm gonna kind of answer your question the way that I think you want to be <laughs> to first, and then I'll get to the sure. metrics part. But <laughs> the first sequence that we had laid out there was almost like a marketing mm-hmm. drip campaign and didn't have any SDR personalization injected into it. I think since then, like I saw a huge trend, like a huge increase in the level of personalization that people mm-hmm. were doing where like that sort of became standard And then, and then I've even like rotated in and then back out of that in terms of the one-to-one personalization for the sake of customizing Mm -hmm. the message. I'm still going to do that, but in a slightly Mm -hmm. different way. So I'll get there. But like the results that we were getting at first were like, there's two things involved. Like one, who are you sending the sequence to? Like the lists that we were building off of the leads in Salesforce weren't very good. The data was out of date, bad contact info, emails were bouncing, phone numbers didn't go to the right person. The, that was one mm-hmm. problem. And then I think the other problem is that the, the messaging was very, very generic because there was a wide, like, addressable market that we could go after. So it wasn't really tailored towards anything specific. We weren't really getting much out of it at all. There was, nine of us that were sending a lot of volume and like not really seeing many Mm -hmm. meetings like maybe you know one or two meetings a week per person or something like that i can't remember what any of the stats were but they weren't good once i started to narrow it in so like i landed on credit unions i've told this story in a bunch of different podcasts but i landed on credit unions because i was selling a text messaging software And I went to the AEs and they told me that the credit unions like the text messaging software because it helps them speed up the loan application process and reduce the number Ah. of write-offs that they have to, when somebody doesn't pay. That's the two ways that credit unions make money. And the text messaging like could impact both of those things. So I just made a list of credit unions and started calling them and like leaving messages saying like, Hey, I can speed up the loan application process and reduce the number of write-offs that you have every month. And people were calling me back. like... When I picked up the phone, I remember the stats specifically. When somebody picked up the phone, it was like a 49% chance that I was gonna book them into a meeting.
0: Love it, wow.
2: I was super dialed in with like what message I was trying to get across to them and the people that I was calling. Like it wasn't randomized right. at all. And I think a lot of the other people on my team were pretty much like scattered thoughts, right? So my ability to narrow it and focus that in like really improved. Right,
0: so way. you're segmenting your messaging to this specific Customer segment. You're speaking their language. You're not talking about what your solution is, but why they should care about it and how it helps them. They're responding to it. So you're able to put other credit unions in that sequence. That's how you're scaling your messaging instead of just one to one.
2: Exactly right. Exactly right. So as I sort of graduated through that role, that was kind of like an SMB mid-market type of accounts that I was going after. I gradually like leveled up. I ended up in on an enterprise sales team, opening, you know, the biggest accounts in the world, like the largest banks that are out there, the big four tech companies, like going after those kinds of targets. So the type of personalization that I was using there was a little bit different, which was really based off of like network and common connections and actually like the prospect's work history. So this is a really good example. Like I'm going to use McDonald's as the example, just so I don't name any companies or whatever. Like if I saw that you used to work at McDonald's, And I have McDonald's as a client. I'm going to mention Mm -hmm. that. I'm going to say, hey, I noticed that you worked at McDonald's. Like, We have them as a client. This is what we help them do. I was hoping to maybe go over some similar ideas with you. That's it. That's the whole email. Send, it says. Nice. Because you're relevant. It lowers the guard. Like, It shows that you've done work with somebody that they're familiar with. That's all you need to actually get the conversation started at the top of the funnel. The product features don't really matter all that much. What are the outcomes that you're able to
0: help And you have that embedded trust because your client that you've worked with, they've been there, right? They've been an employee there. So there's some inerrant trust. It's getting introduced to by a mutual friend. Same type of principle.
2: Yeah, it's one step away from getting the introduction because that's the first thing I go for. It's like, do you know anybody Mm -hmm. I know? That's the number one. Like if you can get a referral in, like that trumps everything from an outbound perspective. And if you can't get the introduction, like look at the work history and see if you can kind of fake one, you know, and just say like, like, look, I I know people Mm -hmm. that you know. And then the third one is like the one that everybody goes to first, which is like prospect authored content. The reason I put that one third on the list is because not everybody has it. And even if they do and you like if somebody mentions a LinkedIn post that I made or something, I might give it a second glance, but that doesn't mean I'm going to buy anything. It doesn't really have much to do with the business outcome that I'm trying to help my business achieve. Mm-hmm. I get messages all the time from lead gen services. If one of those lead gen companies like pulled something from my LinkedIn profile and mentioned it, that doesn't mean that I'm going to like pick them over anybody right. else.
0: You just get a little bit more attention. That's all.
2: Yeah. 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 Like, what are the outcomes that I'm trying to achieve right now? Like what are the business problems? What are the, the things that I'm trying to solve at work? Like if you can nail one of those, you end up on the calendar. It doesn't matter if you know that I like water skiing or whatever.
0: I had this exact conversation two days ago with someone about this. So, and I really think that's where, not really where things are headed, but where things are. Like one-to-one personalization with, when you're talking about, like you're saying something more superficial, it can get you a little bit more attention, but it's not going to really drive results. In the medium to long term, it's not going to get you that meeting. It's not going to get you that next meeting on its own, right? You need to be adding some business value. If you do that, cool, but you need to be adding some business value underneath that. It needs to underpin that messaging.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think there probably was a time where it really did work, where like nobody was doing that. And then all of a sudden, if you're going and pulling, you know, like from the personal interest graph or whatever, you were the one personalizing and nobody else is doing it. Like you're probably gonna get a lot more meetings than the guy sitting next to you or the girl sitting mm-hmm. next to you. But at this point it's become sort of status yeah. quo to go and do that. So the VP of sales has thirty nine emails in their inbox lined up that are all like, Hey, I noticed on LinkedIn that you like the Chicago Bears and <laughs> Right. Our software is just like, you know, the quarterback. It's <laughs> yeah. like
0: Right, right. <laughs> just how the quarterback calls plays our da 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 Yeah, exactly.
2: Which, like, there's nothing wrong with that if that's your style. Like, especially if the person is a huge mm-hmm. fan and they make that really obvious, like, yeah, you should pull it. But I don't think you should spend time looking for it if it's not readily right. available. Like, if the person it doesn't have an active profile, like, it doesn't make any sense to sit there and spend time, like. And just to go back to the other two points, like, the first two things I mentioned trump yeah. that. The referral in from a friend or, like, you know, the work history thing are way better than, like. Going for
0: sure. What, uh, do you have something fourth on that list? We talked uh, like the bid market, segmenting messaging, referrals. Oh, this is
2: one. I was actually like working with an SDR team. One of the SDRs came up with this. It was during March Madness. He went and pulled all of the, like the alma maters. He like pulled everyone's where they went to school for college. Mm-hmm. And Match that up with who was in March Madness. Like say you went to Duke Mm -hmm. or something and they were in the Sweet 16. He was mentioning that. He's like, hey, if Duke wins, like, will you take a meeting with me? And he ripped off six meetings in a day doing that. I would have never thought of it. Yeah. It was interesting because it was like Mm time-based. It was like relevant to like pop culture almost. It's all of a sudden we're stepping out of the zone of like just this little LinkedIn bubble. And we're talking about like what's going on in the rest of the Mm -hmm. world at that current time. And then relating it back to the person. That was pretty yeah, strong, which I didn't I expect. actually
0: got one of those. I don't know. I doubt it's the same person, but I got a similar email. It was like, Indiana, which where I went, is playing, she's Wyoming in the play-in round, right? And they're like, hey, if Indiana wins, I'll send you this, an Indiana jersey or shirt. Or if Wyoming wins, you take a meeting mm-hmm. with me. You know what I mean? I didn't take it, but I thought it was interesting. I did think about it. So it's creative for sure. And I can see how it would work. You remembered the I remember it. I remember it.
2: right? Like, how many other emails that you got that week from somebody you didn't know? Right, I don't
0: remember much of any of them, but yeah, that one definitely stuck out. So very cool. I guess I could keep asking you what else, what else, what else, what else, because I love that. That's great information. Touching more on people you've helped as a consultant or coach, right? I'd love to get ideas of like campaigns whether it be like application of the principles or maybe I liked what you were saying in the beginning of and it was just something that always sticks in my mind is there's this interview years and years ago I don't know they were asking Jeff Bezos about what's next like what is next what's going to be the next big thing that's going to change and then he was like you know I focus on the things that don't change people always want free shipping they always want low prices they always want a wide selection, never going to change. Right. So I'm glad that you went there because digging out those principles of the principles that don't change is what's extremely important. So I'm glad you served that up to the audience. So people you've helped, what's some that have stuck in your mind? This could be like building lists. It could be creating offers, copy, outreach.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Across like all the clients have had and like the reps that have coached, I've been able to consist, and this still surprises me every single time when it works, but like using the style that I'm describing, people see like 60% or better open rates with one word, all lowercase subject lines that are intentionally vague that create curiosity. Josh Braun calls it an information gap and the reply rate is like 15% Mm -hmm. or better which is pretty insane. There was one rep in particular that he just sent me a screenshot of a campaign rate, an 80% open rate, a 20% reply rate. And he said it was between like 10 and 15% meetings booked, which is like, that's insane. And he was using everything I just said. So he was like really segmenting his list. He was like really particular about the business case that he was trying to make with those people and then using that personalization strategy. And that's what came out of the other end of it. Honestly, like I am still surprised every single time when somebody comes back to me and shows, you know, shows me that stuff. That's what really sticks. out. it.
0: And I just want to drill home for that person who's listening, who's struggling with this. Like it's not just one piece of the equation. I feel like a lot of people focus on the copy, right? Like, oh, this email. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't respond to this. I don't know. Hmm. Let me think. Da da da. The copy is important, but that list, like you're saying. Right? That list is extremely important. The business case you're making, like that business value you're you're bringing is extremely important. I would say list is the most important, right? Who are you actually talking to? Why would they listen to you? So definitely want to drill that home for folks. And from what you mentioned in that last example, it looks personal. It looks like you're sending a personal note to someone, all lowercase, one word, right? It's not formal. Your English teacher would hate that, right? But it works. That's how people communicate.
2: It looks like a mm-hmm. human did it. It looks like this would never get by mm-hmm. marketing. Marketing would never you. That's actually the mm-hmm. whole point.
0: I heard about someone recently misspelling something on purpose, because the person receiving it would be like, there's no way they would let this go out with the misspelling yeah. in it, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm a disciple of mm. Justin Michael. He always said that B minus grammar outperforms mm-hmm. A plus every time, and he sent millions of emails. And I think that's the reason why it looks human. It looks a little bit more approachable. Now I don't think that it solves the whole thing. Just like you were saying, it's like a multifaceted mm-hmm. problem there. Right? It's not like you can just go and like just take the template script that you've got and like start screwing up words on purpose and like all of a sudden you're gonna say mm-hmm. things. It's all those things at once. But what you really have to think about is like what is the objective here? Like you're messaging somebody that you don't know that's trying to do mm-hmm. their job what would it take for you to get their attention for a couple of
0: minutes? Right.
2: Right. If you back it up and think about it that way, like the copy matters little. It's like, you're not trying to turn a no into a yes with like the way that you write Mm -hmm. the email. You're actually just trying to find the yeses amongst the no
0: communication. You want to communicate effectively.
2: You're trying to find the people that are looking
0: for the solution that you're offering. Right. Where the drop your line where the fish are biting, Right. Find that hole, That's exactly for sure. Right. We talked about lists. We talked about copy. I want to get your take on different channels, using them together. I'm a big fan of like combo prospecting, LinkedIn, phone, email, double, triple taps. Tell me about your what you've seen doing that and what's worked for you in the past.
2: Yeah. So the reason I like using all the channels is basically in the context where you have a limited number of accounts to reach out to like you really don't know where anybody's going to respond they might have a completely sparse linkedin profile but you send them an email and they respond to it because nobody else is sending them an email there you might have called them six times already with a number that went to nowhere or emailed them and they're not like really answering vendor emails in their inbox like some people just treat it differently other times, like you might not have a phone number or the person might not even have a LinkedIn profile and the only thing you can do is email. So it's like, I just wanna leave no stone unturned. Mm-hmm. I wanna like approach somebody on, on all channels if at all possible. But on the other side of the coin, if you can channel validate, meaning like if you can verify emails, like verify that it's a valid email or verify there's a phone number that somebody's gonna pick up, like there's several services out there that will, you know, do phone verification for you on a list. Like, they'll go and pull the phone numbers and then only give you the direct dials where somebody picked up and they've confirmed that that's the person that you're going to reach out to. So, like, don't even bother calling the other people. Only call those people. Mm-hmm. It- I would still say, like, it would make sense. Either way you do it, if you only do one or the other, you're going to miss something in the other sure. list. Like, if you only do phone and not email, you're going to miss something that you would have gotten an email. And if you only do email and not phone, you're going to miss something you would have gotten
0: Sure. Before. Those phone-validated numbers, they do that by calling that person, right? Calling them, seeing if they pick yeah. up. It's basically how they run it, correct? Yeah. Got it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people, like, won't answer their phone if it's a, an unknown number or whatever. Some people answer
0: all the time right. again.
2: Personally, like, I i don't know. I um, Half the time I do, half the time I don't. And if I notice it's the same number a couple of times, I'll yeah. pick it up.
0: True. I've started picking up all the calls to see. And if you had God yeah, I love it. Yeah. I actually got, Um, it's funny. I was getting these calls asking for Morgan. I forget the last name. Morgan at Casper. And I was like, what is this? I kept getting these calls. Morgan at Casper. I looked this person up. It's a girl at LinkedIn. Or I looked up this girl on LinkedIn named Morgan something. Used to work at Casper Mattresses in HR she's left but I'm getting these phone calls from all these people selling HR software so I'm like is this in zoom info or something and she was, you know the SCR is like yeah it is you know like oh yeah it's not me but I respect the hustle you know
2: <laughs> yeah I did something funny once one time I put my mom's phone number in one of those databases <laughs> 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 because if, <laughs> if you get through to my mom and my mom call I'm, I'm taking that call definitely <laughs>
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. We talked a little bit about, like, phone-validated numbers, validating emails. Any interesting tech you're seeing out there right now on the horizon?
2: Yeah, yeah, there's a couple things. I mean, right now I'm doing a little bit of work with a company called Reggie.ai that does, like, AI sequence writing. So they use GPT-3 technology to actually, like, compose, like, whole sequences and cadences. I was pretty skeptical at first, but I did a webinar with them where I wrote a sequence and then like it took me like 45 minutes to like compile all the stuff and compose it. And then we had the computer do it and it was like almost the same. I mean, it wasn't the exact same, but it was like, it was pretty close. I was like very, very surprised. That's a category that I think um, we're going to see an uptick in because again, like once you sort of like dial in what the pain is, what the problem you're solving is, like the way that you say it doesn't matter nearly as much as, as like, you know, the targeting and the timing uh-huh. of it. I think that's interesting. The other one that I haven't really seen completely dialed in or developed yet is guided selling. So like once you're on the call, you know, like there's a lot of post analysis, like chorus, gong, all that kind of stuff that like, you know, you can analyze what happened after the call, but like while it's happening, like a meter to show you talk time. Or like prompt you to ask a question or the AI is listening and like hears the prospect say a keyword and then like prompts you with a question to ask them. I haven't seen anything like that yet, but I'm pretty sure that somebody's gotta be working on that.
0: Through I've seen the cue cards on Oh my god, I forget what it is. Wingman, I yeah, think.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Wired, By Clary, like I saw
0: it? that this morning. Yeah. yeah, I think I saw it through yeah. Wingman or maybe it was a different company. I don't know, one of those companies, but I think that stuff's cool. But you know what I don't like that? I feel like that might handicap sellers, younger sellers, right, who are using all of that stuff and kind of take away their actual ability, learning the actual ability to sell. I think it's like, it's definitely helpful and I can see the business value. But what do you think about someone learning sales and like having all those instruments that are telling them what and when to do?
2: Well, here's what I really do think. When the printing press was invented, there was a big uproar and everybody was all the the people that had been around for a while were upset that like people were going to lose the ability Mm -hmm. to write because why would you ever write anything Mm -hmm. down? And you can even go back further in time than that and say, like, when paper and writing became a thing, everybody was upset that you wouldn't have to, like, memorize the classic speeches from Plato and Socrates and stuff. Everyone's mind was going to go to waste because we had the ability to write things down and keep them Mm -hmm. in the book um, so that you could practice it, right? And obviously, like, those things didn't happen. So the way that I see it, like, yes, it could be a crutch that people would lean on. It could also be used as, like, a really effective training tool like a scaffold yeah. right like something you can slowly strip it away or something that only kicks in like when there's a problem
0: sure 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 yeah
2: like training your mind to recognize like I'm talking too much right
0: now like I might be doing kind of like a pilot who has their instruments and they trust their instruments but like they still know how to fly you know, something like that.
2: Ultimately, they sell. Okay. Yeah,
0: shoes, I yeah. could see that. I could see that for sure. I mean, I love the stuff that helps sellers spend more time selling, like anything that can grease the wheels, take away, like manual, this is kind of a little different than what we were talking about, but like takes away the manual tasks, the administrative tasks, and they can spend more time doing outreach or on sales calls, I think is incredibly effective because that's like, it's all about getting at bats with this stuff. My first job was in logistics and I was making like 70, 80 dials a day, almost 100 conversations a day, probably like 80 to 100 conversations a day when you count people like calling in just like rapid fire. Da 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 da, da, da You get all these at bats. But if you can't get people on the phone, like how can you get better at cold calling?
1: Right. So
0: if you're spending time yeah. researching too much or personalizing like we were saying for one person where they went to school or whatever they like, you know, how can you get at bats? So I like that stuff for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I think it makes sense. For sure. What is one big takeaway that you want people to leave with? Or maybe you got a couple.
2: I think the biggest takeaway that I can sort of summarize with is like, think about what you're actually doing. Think about the objective in a buyer-centric way in your head. Put yourself in the buyer's shoes and really think about the world from their perspective. That's ultimately like, that one thing has got me really mm-hmm. far. Especially while you're in the conversation like thinking about what their world must be like and then confirming that with them and not trying to lead them down any particular path that you've carved out, but like really interviewing them. And mm-hmm. before you get to the conversation, postulating what it might be like and trying to triangulate on that. I think that's where you're going to get the sure. most ask.
0: They know you're selling something and when you email them, they can look up your website and they can kind of see what you got. But if you can speak that language via email Talk about the problem, dig into that pain point, and like you're saying, hint or highlight at how you could possibly relieve that. There will be people who raise their hand and say, okay, tell me more, right? And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the people that have that problem, have that pain point, and that you communicate to them effectively, and then they raise their hand and say yes.
2: And I would even take it one further and not just hint at the fact that you can do it, but tell them about how you've done it Mm. before for somebody else like that lead with the outcome. Lead with the outcome that you were able to help somebody else get based on what you think their problem might be in life or at work.
0: Sure. Anyway. Yeah. Will it work? Will it work for me? Right. That type of thinking. Very cool. ModernVirtual.net. Patrick William Joyce. Pleasure having you on. Thanks very much. This All was right. great. You have a good one.